Welcome to the Yana podcast, a mental health podcast where we're going to talk about life, hear stories of strength, and get all in our feelings so we can remind you that you are not alone. Our hosts are me, Carly, and Becca. Both of us are super passionate about mental health, advocacy, education, and shattering that stigma. We love creating opportunities for young people to share their stories and experiences about navigating mental health and life in general. The content of this podcast may contain mature subject matter, such as discussions about suicide, self-harm, drug and alcohol abuse, sexual or physical violence, as well as the use of strong language. Listener discretion advised. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome. Welcome Welcome. to the podcast. So it is a beautiful Tuesday in Philadelphia. It's actually not. It's really gray, kind of rainy, but it's getting chilly out there. I know. Don't even starting to get a little cold. I know. I know. I'm here for it though. I I like like the short window between like summer and like fall. I love, but it's very short. I hate it. I hate it. I don't know how to dress. And it's just like, it's just, well, I love Halloween, but I didn't get to enjoy Halloween this year. So we'll, we'll get into that. But anyway, before we begin, <laughs> I want to give you everyone that little rundown on why we do this podcast. So Carly and I both work for NAMI. We do, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And Becca and I... I just kind of sounded like you there with my British accent. Um, We get to be the lucky ones, I think, the luckiest of them all. Um, We get to work for the NAMI Philadelphia, Pennsylvania affiliate, and we do some pretty cool things and tell them about the cool things we do. Well, thank you, Carly. I sure will. (laughs) (laughs) We sound like legit news anchors We are so cheesy today. Okay. Um, Yeah, so we do a lot of cool things. We're an advocacy organization. Um, We provide resources. We support the community through support groups. Um, We also, uh, and we also provide a lot of education. So one of the educational programs that we provide is called Ending the Silence. And Ending the Silence is a teen mental health educational awareness program where we go to schools, youth programs, colleges all over the place, and we talk to young people about mental health, educate them on warning signs, suicide prevention, all the things. And the best part is that it's always accompanied by a young person who shares the story of their mental health journey. Yes. However, since COVID happened, the world shifted. Um, It it shifted. Um, It became, we weren't able to do things the way that we had been typically doing them. So we were trying to figure out a way in which we could still give young people a platform in which they could share stories, hear stories, and just have conversations surrounding mental health. So... Therefore, once upon a time, the land far, far away in the this happens every single time the podcast Philadelphia the podcast. <laughs> it, get it together. super silly today. Okay, we gave birth to the Yana podcast, and Yana stands for <laughs> you are not alone. 
Becca, for those of you who are new to the podcast, Becca, like in her former life or something, was like a Renaissance queen. And she sometimes still thinks that she is that. In fact. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, so that is, uh, that's why she has to have that whole spiel. Yes. So anyway, <laughs> anyway. Oh, so today we have a very, very cool guest. So um, I th- did I say guest or guest? Yes. I am off the walls today. All right. So Amanda Grace Creer is a 23-year-old mental health professional and suicide loss survivor, currently in recovery, living with mental illness. Her passion for youth began as a NAMI ending the silence presenter, speaking on the loss of her cousin, Sean, to suicide and her personal journey of recovery with mental illness. She is a 2020 grad from CCP with a degree in behavioral health and human services and currently supports the teens of Montgomery and Chester County, Pennsylvania, in her new role as lead peer specialist of Teen Talk Lines. That's awesome. Amanda Grace is very excited to join the Yana podcast and telling her story, help listeners better understand how to support teens in their lives who may be struggling and know that there is hashtag no shame in brain pain. What? Hi. Hi. Yay. Welcome. Amanda Grace is so from the moment I met Amanda Grace, I was like, this chick is gonna do big things because (laughs) your your passion, and you guys will hear more about her story, but her passion or your passion, Amanda Grace, is so beautiful. It's contagious. It's you can feel your your heart. from like whatever you're doing it's so big and beautiful so I was like this girl's got she's going places oh you're gonna make me cry we're only crying we cry on the pod very good at this yeah we cry on the pod but no we're really grateful to have you here and for you to you know share your story because it's going to impact so many people so again thank you for being here with us on this Tuesday Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. <laughs> You're welcome. Very cool. Well, before we like get into your story, we like to just kind of check in with each other, um, just see where we're at, um, and to just kind of give each other space to share our heart and feelings and all that gushy stuff. So I'll start and then Becca, and then we'll go to you. And then okay. we'll jump into your cool story. <laughs> okay. So I am highly caffeinated. So cheers (laughs) to my anxiety. I mean, cheers to my anxiety. Um, No, I'm actually, I'm doing well. Um, For those of you guys who don't know, our NAMI office is going through a really exciting transition and um, we've moved our office and we're really excited about some just onward and upward things happening in Philly. So that has been really motivating my heart and like my desire to do um, the work. And so that's been exciting. So right now I'm like half, like half part caffeinated, half part, like true motivation (laughs) and excitement to keep going. Um, But yeah, I'm doing well. My, my wife is a little under the weather, so that's a bummer that she's not feeling good. But other than that, I'm hanging, hanging in, hanging in and hanging out. Chilling. Chilling. How are you, Beck? I'm good, actually. I mean, I have a little bit of a cold, but um, I was around some sick babes this weekend. Um, and babies, I mean, that's, that's 
sounds a little weird. Um, but I, uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I just have a little bit of a cold, but like, honestly, I'm feeling like I'm feeling motivated. Like Carly said, we're going through a really big transition and I am just got promoted. <laughs> so I am now our youth education and outreach manager. So that's hey. exciting. Hey. Um, and yeah, so I am feeling motivated and I'm excited about our, the future of our affiliate and all the cool things that we are going to be able to do. And I'm feeling grateful and I am looking forward to go and do my civic duty and vote today. So I'll, I'll be doing that too. Get out and vote, vote, Get vote. Out and vote. So anyway, awesome. um, that's me. Thanks. Amanda Katie. Grace. Amanda Grace, what's up? Where are you at? I am not doing the best. I mean, I think anybody who is in recovery knows that there are good days and bad days. And I just feel like I've been having, you know, not such a great week. Um, you know, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, mm -hmm. um, thinking that's coming on with the, the season changing for sure. And, uh, but you know, something that my mom says it's, you know, a little bit harder for depression to hit a moving target. So I got out yes. of bed today. Yeah, and funny. went went to the store and you know just gonna keep moving. Yeah. I love that. That's a really good reminder. And I think that you 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 kind of reminded me, right? Like if you're in these ruts or if you're feeling kind of eh, that sometimes getting up and moving your body is really helpful and um, like allowing yourself to just like keep keep going and moving and involving yourself in activity is good. Well, I'm always glad to see you. And I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for being so open with us today. And we're only going to get more open and deep, deep into the life of Amanda Grace. Deep dive. So Becca, do you want to lead the, the conversation? Tell Amanda Grace, like where to start, how to, what we're talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I, you can start wherever. Like, I just want to hear all about you. You know, I, I, I've known who you are. I've known little bits. I've seen you do your thing on social media, but I want to mm -hmm. like really get to know you. So, you know, just start wherever you feel like it. We like to, you know, just generally start young. Yeah. But and we'll ask, we'll ask, you questions. are young. So <laughs> we'll ask questions and stuff, but ultimately take the wheel. Just All right. Um, well, I mean, we can start young and I don't think, it, you know, you can get any younger. I was, uh, when did, let me see, probably like in this first grade. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, my, uh, my teacher's not that I had the best first grade teacher, but my teachers kind of started noticing I wasn't like the other kids. I was, you know, struggling a lot more than other kids were. Um, and I was evaluated by a slew of psychiatrists. Um, and I was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder. In first grade? Uh, I believe in second grade. Okay. So as yeah. a young, as a young kiddo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What um, were some of the things they were noticing? Like, was it hyperactivity or I'm always curious they, when kids are younger? Cause I was diagnosed with ADD when I was older. There was no hyperactivity. Um, 
and I think that's why it was a little bit harder to diagnose me because, you know, I didn't really have uh, that hyperactivity that most um, kids with ADD or ADHD have. Um, It was a lot of struggling to stay on topic, you know, struggling to stay focused. Um, A lot of other factors that come along with it was like large handwriting. Um, Yeah, that was another one. Um, And I was just also very different in general, like, um, personality wise. I have very quirks. Yes, exactly. I was a very quirky Mm. child. So they weren't sure if, you know, maybe I had some autism, um, uh, involved with that. Um, but the, the, after the many, many doctors, they decided on attention deficit disorder and, Back then, at least, I don't know how it is so much now, but back then was the major push for medication. Right. Adderall, Concerta, Ritalin, that was a major push back then for young children. Right. Um, And I was one of those children Mm -hmm. that, you know, it was a very big push from the school to medicate me. Okay. And that wasn't the solution that ended up not being the solution because I was put on everything the pretty much they threw the book at me Um, and they maxed me out on anything and everything yeah because it would work for a little while sure and then it wouldn't so then they're like oh we're just gonna up the dosage oh my gosh and do you remember like how that made your body feel like do you remember any of that I was so underweight Mm -hmm. that it like it was so unhealthy how underweight I was Mm -hmm. um because it's an appetite suppressant and I remember you know probably being like eight years old and we had like gone on vacation or something and forgot the medication Mm -hmm. and the painful migraine that came along with that as an eight-year-old. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. And I still have those migraines, um, now as an adult, like that, that didn't, yeah. And that didn't, um, go away. You think that's because of the medication when you were young? I do. Oh man. So that was medication, like I was on uh, medication for ADHD when I was in high school and up until five years ago when I went into treatment and in high school, I was like in middle school and high school, I was so sick all the time. And I was like a hundred pounds and I'm Mm -hmm. a lot more than that now. (laughs) You know, So it was, yeah, I was so skinny. Yeah. That's hard. Was that like your first, I guess that was your like intro to emotions and mental health and medication that was like your first I guess yes and it wasn't like it was not a good you know experience because even as a young child that other young kids also have that stigma 
that mm-hmm. I remember my best friend and she didn't mean anything by it. Like she had said something like, Oh, did you take your medicine today? Mm-hmm. And another kid heard that. And they're like, you take medicine. Oh, um, what's wrong with you? Why do you yeah. take meds? Yeah, exactly. Um, so that like the stigma right then and there. Um, so we didn't like tell anyone. Cause even my parents got that, you know, stigma, my poor mom who has, t- you know, fought for me, was advocated for me when I couldn't advocate for myself that just the things that she's heard, you know, like, you know, if you were, maybe if you were just a better parent. Oh my gosh. Know, yeah. That um, it's somehow like in the way in which you were parented that these behaviors exactly. were, or if she, or you know, if your mom was a more structured or provided more this, oh my gosh, I if maybe you would have breastfed, you know, right. like anything, oh, you know, anything. God. Yeah. <laughs> anything, anything and everything. Yeah. Oh my God. So let me so, ask you a question. When, so did they, was this like your primary care physician that was di- like, that was medicating you? Did you see a psychiatrist <laughs> or a therapist or anything like that? It was my primary care physician. It was my pediatrician who wrote the scripts. I honestly don't quite remember ever seeing a psychiatrist right. more than once or twice. And that was probably just for initial diagnosis. Right. Um, and then after that, I always got, you know, prescriptions through my pediatrician. I feel like that's <laughs> unfortunately common. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I, I don't mean, I don't, is that comp? Like, I feel like I've heard that before. I think it is. Um, I think, cause even as an adult that when I was in college and I was struggling and thought, you know, maybe if I went back on the medication, I wouldn't, you know, be struggling as much that I didn't go to see a psychiatrist that my primary doctor saw that I had the diagnosis, saw that I was on the prescription prior as a child and had no problem writing a script for 10 milligrams of Adderall. Yep. I, my primary care doctor before I went like, you know, over like before I went into treatment was writing new prescriptions for Adderall. And I was like, I was abusing Adderall. So it was like, I loved it. I loved that they would do that. They would just indiscriminately write me scripts. And I'd be like, I think I need a little more, you know? And it was great. I mean, you know, but that's the whole point. Like, right. It's like the whole issue. Like I have a friend who's getting getting, um, antidepressants from her doctor, her primary care. And I'm like, that is so irresponsible. I got, (laughs) I got, um, antidepressants from my OBGYN, from my gynecologist. Wow. (laughs) Because I, (laughs) I explained to them that like, I think that I was having some like depression around my period or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that was like how that, that was my, how I got my medication. Did they say anything like you should maybe consult with a psychiatrist or see a therapist or anything? They, um, knew that I already was seeing a therapist. Um, my therapist, uh, at the time was an LCSW. Um, and you know, they were like, well, if you're, but they didn't like consult with her either before the prescription. Like I could have just walked in there and said, you know, my 
therapist thinks it's a good idea and then they just right. write yeah. Oh my gosh. So what happened like as you went through elementary, middle, high school? Like talk to us about the progression. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a degression before a progression. <laughs> we, we're, we, we're here for it. Tell us all the things. Yeah. <laughs> that um well, I finally like my parents made the executive decision, like we're gonna stop medication because I was so underweight that, you know, even now as an adult, um, my metabolism, like, because it was like almost suppressed by, by the speed that I was on for so long that, um, my metabolism burns through stuff like nobody's business. Um, so they took me off of all medications and, you know, we were just going to try other routes, you know, other ways of organization. Um, and I got a 504 plan. Okay. Can you tell everyone what that is? Sure. That a 504 plan is a personal document that, um, is created, um, by the parents, by a, you know, a school psychiatrist, um, that is all supposed to assist and benefit, um, a student, you know, in their personal learning plan. Yeah. Um, and every, every child has a different 504 plan that looks different. Like there's not a model. Um, there are suggestions. Um, but like I said, it's for that, that personal student specific needs. Right. Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so you got that. I did. And that was another uphill climb that my entire school story was an entire uphill battle um, of just meeting with teachers and begging them to adhere to my 504 plan which for anybody who doesn't know um, they have to it's a legal document um, right. but yeah that it was an uphill bo- battle I had a teacher tell my mom, um, yes, but these are my classroom rules. And my mom's like, yes, but that's yeah. Like, right. Like, okay, great. Thanks, ma'am. But like, (laughs) this is what we're working with here. It was something as, as dumb as like the classroom rule said, come prepared. Well, my 504 plan said, if I forget a pencil in my locker, I can go get one. Right. Mm -hmm. Something like that. So my mom, after that, she, uh, we bought pencils at the beginning of the year and supplied them for teachers to keep in their desk. There you go. So, <laughs> but still, yeah, that's amazing. That, that's like ridiculous that you have to be making. Yeah. The, you have to be right. Making the plans for the teachers in order for the teachers to follow your plan. Yeah. And I just don't think that a lot of teachers, like, I think teachers are, you know, doing an impossible job for impossible yeah. pay. Um, you know, but I think just, there's also a lot of, unknowing when it comes to different diagnoses and um, almost ignorance mm-hmm. that I had a teacher on back to school night tell my mom that I'm lazy. Oh. And my mom's like that, like, am I lazy? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I'm not lazy because of my right. diagnosis. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, gosh, like the traits it. they're describing as you being lazy. Like I remember that being the thing with like my dad even said, like he was so when they got my diagnosis, like mm-hmm. he felt so guilty because he mm-hmm. had been thinking that I was just being lazy and it wasn't that I was being lazy and same. I'm very lazy. (laughs) It was (laughs) was not that it was, you know, that I was struggling with ADD and a lot of those symptoms and then other mental health concerns that come with ADD, um, can present as, as laziness, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that was like, just, you know, without my mother, I probably would not have graduated high school because she advocated for me, you know, very well. And so I kind of hid that diagnosis, like in the closet (laughs) for a long time because of just the stigma around it. Um, And it wasn't until like, I was, I was in the ninth grade um, that I had, I I get emotional thinking about it. Um, I had the most amazing teacher in the entire world that Mm -hmm. his name was Leonard Allborn. He was my history teacher. Shout it out. Yep. Lenny. He was, he was the man. He saw me struggling Mm -hmm. and like my 504 plan said, like I could take tests outside of the classroom sure. that I can get extra time. Um, but he saw that I didn't really need the extra time that I didn't yeah. really need to take it outside of the classroom. And as everyone else came over and took their tests, he would pull up a chair next to my desk and he would verbally give me the exams because wow. I knew the answers. I just didn't know how to formulate them onto paper. Wow. And I went from getting D's and C's in that class to acing his class. Oh my God. Wow. And you know what? Like he, that just like, he took a, a, a not a small, I mean, a very simple thing to do to just yeah. sit down and listen and really try and, you know, allow you to shine in a way that you were able to. Wow, what a man, what a man, Lynn. How big was your school? I went to Neshaminy High School in Bucks County. Um, I don't know how many um, students. But like hundreds? Uh, hundreds, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a small school. Okay. Yeah. So like that's, that, you know, that like, that's that takes a lot then to be able to give someone individualized attention like that like Mm -hmm. such that's uh wow that's really Uh, yeah and like my mom like had talked to him and she was like you know no one else has seen like Amanda Grace like this like you know thank you so much and he was like my daughter has attention deficit disorder and I know what that looks like and I know how hard that is Yes. He just, he was the most amazing teacher I ever had. He unfortunately passed away um, very suddenly, Mm. but yeah, he was a God sent man, a God sent educator. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Did he, or did your mom or you, were you able to then take that, like what worked for you in that class and like educate your other teachers on how to accommodate you? We tried to, (laughs) we definitely (laughs) tried to, 
um, whether or not the teacher was, you know, accepting to mm-hmm. that um, was another another story. But I I did have um, I more had a shift on myself mm-hmm. and my self esteem wow. and my way like my look on myself to advocate for myself because I really like, you know, being a child and having to take a test outside of the classroom, like having to need time more than any other student. Like I honestly felt stupid Mm -hmm. for a long time. I thought I was stupid because, Mm -hmm. you know, I would be trying and I wouldn't be getting the grades. Mm -hmm. Right. And that just was such a turn to my self-esteem that like I was able to advocate more for myself um for my sophomore junior and senior year and even up into college that 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 carried yeah yeah and it probably also showed you like it's not you you know is you can succeed you just need to do things differently and like that doesn't mean you know, maybe you're not able to do things, you know, like other classrooms or whatever, weren't you weren't able to do it that way. But like that, if you didn't succeed in that classroom or whatever success really means, actually, you know, but like get A's, um, then that's not because of you. That's just because of the style of the classroom. Um, I think that probably makes a huge difference. I know for me, like I, I had extra time. It, it helped a little bit, but like, honestly, like I did not want to sit there. For, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the class time was long enough as it was, like, you know, but, um, but yeah. And I totally took advantage of the getting to be in an extra you know, separate space. <laughs> oh my <laughs> that's God. a whole nother story. <laughs> that is, but yeah, that is so, that's such an important point. I think that, that you felt that getting the, the, I guess benefits or like the uh priv- what and I don't know what the word is. like the what do you call those the like that you are able to take them in a separate room or like the accommodations accommodations like mm-hmm. weren't actually in maybe um making you feel better in fact they were making you feel just different and yeah less than so that's in, that's interesting because I think that a lot of times people think that those are benefiting the student in you know, men in ways that they might not be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what did the, like the rest of your growing up, like in high school and such, did this bring on any other type of like symptoms for you in regards to your mental health, like anxiety? Um, or From that experience, no, mm-hmm. um, my anxiety and certainly my depression um, more so came on strong (laughs) in college than anything else. Um, but it was also, I mean, like I had anxiety, like I now looking back, I know that was anxiety, Mm -hmm. um, like starting in fifth grade. Um, I also though grew up, um, in the church and I think a lot of, um, misinformation also happens that like, I was like, I'm feeling this way. And I was told that, oh, that must be like the Holy spirit. No, it wasn't. It was anxiety. Oh my gosh, girl. (laughs) I have, I have similar experiences to that as well. Or, oh my gosh, one second. You're like spiritually (laughs) or something. 
Yes, like that must be like the Holy Spirit talking to you. Like, like maybe, but I I know (laughs) 100% sure that that's anxiety. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, wow. So so that was like, um, and I, I know there's a lot of stigma that comes from, like there can be you know, certain yeah. based systems can also be, um, carry a lot of stigma. Did you, was that something you were experienced besides obviously the, the- I think, um, not so much with, um, my diagnosis of attention deficit disorder that there was not a lot of stigma with that. Um, but when I was in college, um, like a freshman in college, my cousin died by suicide. Right. And the stigma from that alone was more than I ever could have imagined. You know what? I want, let's, why don't we, because I, I know this is like going to be <laughs> a big thing that we want to get into. So let's take a quick break yeah, and then we'll come back and get into this topic. Want to hear more about Amanda Grace's story? Then tune in next week for part two. I promise you're definitely going to want to hear what comes next. If you or someone you know is in crisis, call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. Or you can text NAMI to the crisis text line at 741-741 or go to nami.org for more information. Remember, you are not alone.